The Baltimore Orioles are reportedly looking at every possible angle to bring in some major league starting pitching this offseason. But could it be via trade? And could it be for a player as good as Corbin Burns? We'll talk about that coming up on today's episode. Plus, talk about some incredible Orioles art as we talk with an artist in Daniel Horine and talk about where you can get his great piece about Eddie Murray. That's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we are going to take a look at the potential trade candidates for the Orioles. If they're going to target starting pitching via trade, well, there's a couple of names out there. And four names specifically that Ken Rosenthal mentioned in his column on The Athletic on Monday. Corbin Burns, Pablo Lopez, Tarek Skubal, and Zach Plesak. Could the Orioles pick up any of those four to help their rotation via trade this offseason? We'll get to that. Plus, coming up at the end of the show, got a great guest coming on. It is Daniel Horine. He is the artist in charge of the Pop Fly Pop Shop, which every week has a new piece of baseball and comic book-inspired art that he sells on his site. Some amazing pieces. And this week, the piece centers around Orioles legend Eddie Murray. We'll talk to Daniel about the history of his shop, what made him want to do a piece on Eddie Murray, his collaboration with Eddie, and where you could get the piece for yourself, especially in a giveaway here on the Locked On Orioles podcast as well. But that's all coming up on this episode of the pod. Before we get there, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. We're free and available on all podcast listening platforms, and we're still going five days a week for about three more weeks here. We'll be Monday through Friday throughout the offseason, and then we get to about December 19th. We will just trim it down to about three days a week, but we'll still go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I have all the Orioles offseason news for you right here, and hey, the hot stove did heat up just a tad on Monday. Now, the Orioles didn't make any moves, but as of recording here, right around 8 p.m. Eastern time on Monday night, we saw the Astros sign Jose Abreu. We saw the Reds sign Luke Maley. We saw the Mariners sign Trevor Gott. And while some of those guys aren't the biggest stars, that's three big leaguers, three major league players signing major league deals with three different teams. And as always, the week after Thanksgiving, things start to churn. Then we get to the winter meetings next week. And hopefully the moves start to be made. We'll have it all covered here on the Locked On Orioles podcast. And you're certainly going to want to be subscribed to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel because uh, we're going to have a giveaway coming up right here on the end part of this episode. But first, we got to talk Orioles trades because as we've previewed this offseason, talk about what the Orioles could do specifically to add starting pitching, I feel like I've exhausted every option as free agents. I've gone through pretty much every free agent starting pitcher. I've mentioned them all, I think, at least once on the pod since the offseason started, just trying to sort through who the Orioles could be targeting, who they could sign, because I think everyone's in agreement. The Orioles are going to sign bare minimum at least one starting pitcher this offseason. But I think a lot of people think they could supplement that by trading for a starting pitcher as well, because 
We don't know what the Orioles' payroll will be, how much it will increase, how much money Mike Elias and his staff will have to spend this offseason. But what we do know is that the Orioles have a top five farm system in all of baseball. They have a lot of hitting talent in the minors that they can trade from to get you know, maybe some cheaper arms who are still just as talented as those guys on the free agent market. And Ken Rosenthal today, of course, one of the best baseball reporters out there, writing in his usual Monday column for The Athletic, wrote about the Orioles. It was the first time in a while he had mentioned the Orioles in the column. And that's huge because something I've talked about here this offseason is that, yeah, I want the Orioles to make moves. But at the very least, early in the offseason, maybe before they've made their moves, at the very least, I would like the O's to be mentioned in the Ken Rosenthal column, to be mentioned when it comes to rumors on players. Just have the name come up. And so here is what Ken Rosenthal wrote at the very end of his notes column on Monday. Quote, the Orioles are dabbling in the market for free agent starting pitchers and also cannot be ruled out on a trade for any starter who might be available. From the Brewers' Corbin Burns and Marlins' Pablo Lopez to the Guardian Zach Plesak and Tigers' Tarek Skubal. He goes on to talk about how the Orioles have one of the best systems in baseball and have a lot of young hitters in the minors who they could trade away, mentioning guys like Colton Kowser, Jordan Westberg, and Kobe Mayo. They could be trade candidates to go and get a starting pitcher. But I wanted to specifically key in on those four names, Burns, Lopez, Scooble, and Plesak. Look at their chances to come to the Orioles and what they would bring to the O's. And let's start with Corbin Burns, because obviously by far out of those four names, Corbin Burns is locked down the best pitcher. He goes to any team in baseball right now, Corbin Burns is pretty much their ace. He is a legitimate ace in the majors right now. The right-hander is only 28, He's a free agent after 2024, so you'd get at least two seasons out of him. And for how good he is, I mean, the MLB trade rumors estimate and arbitration for him is that you would only pay him about $11.4 million for the 2023 season. Now, you'd end up paying him more somewhere around 15, 16, 17 million probably for 2024, but that's still worth it because he is an ace. That's still cheap for an ace. Buying an ace on the market you're looking at 30 plus million dollars a year. Corbin Burns going to cost 11 next year. That's worth it. But the Brewers for some reason are breaking it down a little bit. You know, they just traded Hunter Renfro to the Angels the other day. There's been talks that they're shopping guys like Colton Wong, maybe Christian Yelich and and Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, their one and two starting pitchers have come up in the trade talks as well. So if Burns is available, the Orioles should be all over it because you don't just get one, you get two cheap years of him. And then you have him in-house. If you really expand payroll, you could extend him after the 2024 season. But what he would bring to the O's is a legitimate ace. Again, he was the 2021 National League Cy Young Award winner when he just had an unbelievable season. 167 innings, yeah, but he had a 2.43 ERA and a 1.63 FIP in 2021. Listen, he wasn't as good in 2022, but you could argue in some ways he maybe was or a little bit better. He only threw 167 innings in 2021, and there was questions about his durability. You know, would he only go six innings every start and then come out? Burns, while his ERA went up a bit this year, threw 202 innings, which was something I think people never thought Corbin Burns would be able to do, throw over 200 innings. But he started every five days, 33 starts, 202 innings, still had a 2.94 ERA with a 3.14 FIP. He was still dominant. Yeah, the strikeouts went down a bit from 12.6 to 10.8 Ks per nine, 
Walks went up a little from 1.8 to 2.3 walks per nine, but he was still a dominant ace starting pitcher. And are those extra, you know, 50 or 60 innings even more valuable, even though the production was a little bit lower? You could argue that they were. And I would say it maybe kind of evens out how good Burns was. Now he was so good in 21. I think that season's still better. But 22 is closer than you think because of how many incredible innings that he threw. And he's got the stuff to continue to be the ace. I mean, he throws that cut fastball, which he added in 2020, which made him just incredibly dominant. That cutter in terms of of run value via stat cast is the eighth best pitch in all of Major League Baseball. That's how good that thing is. It's number one pitch. Then he's got the curveball, the changeup, the slider. He's really a six-pitch pitcher, really, at the end of the day. And his curveball change and slider... They all have over a 46% whiff rate. All three of those pitches are swung and missed at almost 50% of the time. That's absurd. That's how good his stuff is. Plus, opponents only hit 127 against his curveball last year. That was his second most used pitch behind his cutter, and it was basically unhittable. I mean, this guy is a legit ace. And if the Orioles can get him, they should get him. Now, the issue is with Burns, obviously. You got to give up a lot to go get Corbin Burns. It's not just a one-year guy. You get him for two years, which makes him even more expensive when you put on top of the fact that he's an ace and a Cy Young contender every single year, and that he's only 28. He's still very, very young and pretty cheap at $11 million. He's going to cost a lot if the Brewers are going to trade him because even if they may be going into a rebuild, they don't have to trade him now. They could trade him at the deadline. Heck, they could trade him next offseason if they wanted to. So they're not up against the clock. It's not like he's becoming a free agent here in a couple months and they got to deal him now. So the O's would have to give up a lot. It would probably be a package that would include one or two big leaguers. I would have to think at least one of Anthony Santander or Cedric Mullins would almost be 100% likely that they would be included in that deal because the Brewers lack hitting and especially lack hitting in the outfield and I think would love to have Mullins or Santander. But the Brewers are looking more past that because... Santander and Mullins, they're free agents over the next few years. I think Colton Kowser, the Brewers, might be the first guy they ask for, is an outfielder who's in AAA, who's young, who's got all the hitting tools, O's former first-round pick. I think that's the first guy they put on the table. Now, it's not just going to be Colton Kowser. It would take more. But you'd look at from the group of Colton Kowser and Jordan Westberg and Joey Ortiz and you know maybe even Kyle Stowers, Connor Norby. A few of those guys, two or three at least of those guys would be included in that package. Plus, again, probably a major leaguer. You know, maybe you're looking at a Mullins, Kowser, Westberg plus one package for Corbin Burns. Would you do that? You would think about it for how good Corbin Burns is. Is that overpaying for him? I don't think so. He's a legit Cy Young contender. So it'll be interesting to see what that package would look like. But again... It would be a lot that the Orioles would have to give up, but I'd be willing to do it for Corbin Burns because he is legit and would make this team look a whole lot different heading into next year. But there's another guy who we've talked about a lot. The next guy is Pablo Lopez. And I'm not going to spend as much time on him because we've talked about Pablo Lopez a lot this offseason. Seems to be you know the number one guy whenever it comes up. Well, would the Orioles trade for a starting pitcher? Well, Pablo Lopez of the Marlins is the first name that comes up. 26-year-old righty. Just like Burns will be a free agent after the 2024 season, so you got two years of him. He'll be much cheaper over that time, though. MLB Trade Rumors projects him to make only $5.6 million in arbitration next year. That's basically half of what Burns would make, and then you'd expect him to make you know, $10 to $12 million in 2024. 
He started 32 games, was completely healthy in 2022, 180 innings, a 3.75 ERA, about nine strikeouts and two and a half walks per nine. Kind of a similar year in 2021, less innings, only 102, had some injury issues. The ERA was better. The strikeout numbers were better, but again, wasn't as durable. He's got that great changeup that he throws. It would take a lot less to get Pablo Lopez. He's just not the pitcher Corbin Burns is. I still think he could be an ace for a team, but he hasn't shown that quite yet. And we've seen even MLB.com wrote an article the other day doing seven trades that could help a bunch of teams. And they proposed a direct swap, one for one, Cedric Mullins for Pablo Lopez. I don't want to trade Cedric Mullins. I think he's very important to the Orioles, and I love Cedric Mullins. That's a trade I would strongly consider if I was the Orioles. Because if you really believe Colton Kowser can help you in 2023, does Pablo Lopez help the Orioles over the next few years more than Cedric Mullins? Maybe. So it's something I would consider, but... It's definitely a, a guy the Orioles are talking about and a team they're talking to in the Marlins. But a couple more pitchers that Rosenthal mentioned in his article that we'll get to coming up in just a second. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from college and the NFL, and football, college basketball. You've got, of course, the NBA, the NHL, and the World Cup still going on with the huge U.S. match against Iran today. Get all the lines and the odds at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, I hope you do if you listen to this one, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. So we're talking about the four starting pitchers who Ken Rosenthal wrote about in his piece in The Athletic on Monday talking about the Orioles, you know, are looking at all the free agent starting pitchers and also looking at the trade market for starters. And he mentioned Corbin Burns and Pablo Lopez, who I already talked about. And the next guy he mentioned was Tarek Skubal. Now, if you remember back at the trade deadline this year when the Tigers were completely falling apart and Tarek Skubal was pitching like an ace, Skubal's name came up as a potential trade candidate. It really shocked some people. Because again, Scuba the lefty, only 26. He's not a free agent until after 2026. He has four more years of team control. He's not even arbitration eligible until next offseason. So he's crazy cheap. And people just, they could not figure out why the Tigers would even possibly be shopping him. And I get they were having a disappointing year, but they're still in somewhat of an upward trajectory. And I agreed with those people. Why in the world would the Tigers trade Tarek Scuba at this point? But it seems like that name is still somewhat out there. And again, if the O's can get him, get him. Now, Scoobal is coming off an injury, so it's probably less likely that the Tigers trade him now. They're going to get less value for him when he's been injured. Had flexor tendon surgery in his throwing arm on August 17th. Took him out for the rest of the season. We still don't have a great timeline on him, but being ready for opening day is certainly in jeopardy. That's that's not a foregone conclusion at all that he'll be back in April. But, you know, it's not something that's going to take him out for, you know, a giant, giant chunk of the 2023 season. It's seemingly somewhere in the middle in terms of his return. But in the 21 starts he made before the injury, about 118 innings, a 3.52 ERA, a 2.96 FIP, about nine strikeouts and two and a half walks per nine. After, you know, a weird 2021 season where he threw 150 innings, he had a 4-3-4 ERA, but he had 10 Ks per nine, and, and he was he was kind of unlucky at times. He's got that great slider that he throws more than any other pitch. And 
I think he's got ace potential. Again, he's 26. He's still getting better. The injury worries me a little bit because he's had injury troubles, elbow troubles in the past. There was concern that he was going to have to get Tommy John surgery again. Didn't end up being the case. Still got that flexor tendon surgery again in mid-August, so you don't really know where his health is at right now. But he's got to be somebody the O's are looking at. Now, I think he would take close to a Corbin Burns-type haul to get him. Now, he's not the pitcher that Burns is, and with the injury, makes him less valuable. But instead of two years of Burns, you're getting four years of Scoobal, who's put up good numbers when he was on the mound last year. He's not even arbitration eligible yet, so you're not even paying him a million dollars in 2023. So he's really cheap, which makes him more valuable to teams and makes him more expensive. Might not take the full Burns haul, but something close. I think the O's stay away here because I don't think the Tigers are going to be you know, super invested in moving him because of the injury, and I don't know if the O's want to give up the whole farm because of the injury. But if he comes back, he pitches well, and maybe next offseason he's a trade piece, that's where I could see the Orioles going into the Scoople sweepstakes. And the last guy that Ken Rosenthal mentioned is Zach Plesak, the 27-year-old right-hander from the Cleveland Guardians. He still has three years under contract. He's a free agent after 2025. He's arbitration eligible for the first time this offseason. And MLB Trade Rumors projects him to make about $2.9 million in 2023. So very cheap for a major league starting pitcher. I'm just not interested in Plesak at all for multiple reasons. For one, on the field, he doesn't measure up to any of these other three guys. Made 24 starts this year for the Guardians, 132 innings, a 4-3-1 ERA, under seven strikeouts per nine, and about two and a half walks per nine. It's not great stuff. It's basically the exact same numbers he had, about 143 innings in 2021, same thing. Mid-fours ERA, about 6Ks, two walks per nine. Doesn't excite me at all. And then when you look at how he got injured this year, again, he only made 24 starts because he got injured because he was so mad about giving up a homer that he crouched down and he punched the mound and he broke his hand and missed about six weeks, actually two months really. I don't know about that. Then when you add that to the fact that in 2020, if you remember this story with Cleveland, he went out and broke COVID protocols and it was a big thing in Cleveland, obviously because of, you know, Terry Francona and his health issues and being immunocompromised and being the manager in that clubhouse. And the whole team kind of turned against him at one point in that 2020 season for breaking those protocols. It was just a messy, messy situation in that Cleveland clubhouse. You add that to breaking your pitching hand because you're frustrated Plesak was mentioned in the article, and I think he probably will be traded by Cleveland this year just because they have better options and cheaper options for starting pitchers coming up the pipeline. I have no interest in Zach Plesak. Honestly, if we're going after a Guardians, you know, cheaper, lesser starting pitcher, I'd much rather have Aaron Savali, who might also be on the trade block at this point, but I have no interest in Zach Plesak. But one thing I do have interest in is you can see some behind me and you would see around my apartment as well is... Some baseball art, specifically some Orioles art. And we're going to talk to a baseball artist coming up here next who's got an amazing Eddie Murray Orioles piece only available this week on the Pop Fly Pop Shop. We're going to talk to Daniel Horan, the artist at the Pop Fly Pop Shop, who makes these incredible baseball prints that are designed as if they are comic book covers. And the player's looking like superheroes or sometimes supervillains. But, of course, Eddie Murray, who we're going to talk about, is a hero on this cover. Now, you can only get it this week, but we'll tell you how you can get it. The history of Daniel's art and also how you can maybe get a free one or at least win one by subscribing to the Locked on Orioles podcast. But that's all coming up 
with Daniel Horine of the Pop Fly Pop Shop right after this. All right, and to finish off today's episode, we've got a very special guest joining us. He is Daniel Horine of the Pop Fly Pop Shop, and he's got some exciting Orioles art to tell us about here on today's episode. But Daniel, first of all, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, Jazz. so we, we wanted to get to uh, you know some Eddie Murray art that you've got coming out, which is mm-hmm. is just awesome, I, I might add. Um, cannot wait to have that hanging mm-hmm. among uh, got a lot of baseball art, uh, on the wall in the apartment and cannot wait to add this one. But I just wanted to start with, you know, I was not super familiar with your work before we connected for this podcast, but just kind of looking through the stuff you've done and the website, I'm surprised I hadn't found this before. Cause this is kind of right up my alley of what mm-hmm. is just hanging in my apartment. Um, mm-hmm. so I just wanted to kind of get your story on, you know, what took you this way to basically make, you know, baseball stars into essentially comic book heroes and, and put out some great art. Thanks. Um, really it was, it was just a, a, a project started on a whim in, in a spare bedroom in the, in the start of the pandemic. It was very, very accidental just like, Oh, yeah, I, I did this piece. Let's, let's, let's put it out and see what happens. And we'll put it, we'll, we'll put a timer on and see how that works. And now, gosh, it's been 100, 100, 108 releases later, and uh, what two and a half years. And and uh, since then, it's it turned from a very humble project into spare bedrooms selling, selling, you know, 10, 11, 12 copies. And now it's it's become me and my wife's full time job. Uh, my work is currently hanging in Cooperstown in the Hall of Fame. Got, I've I've had the privilege of working with a ton of athletes and Hall of Famers and making these pieces together with them. Um, it took me to Tops was on Tops Project 100, so it, it has been a very, a very uh, interesting journey of full of full of things and moments that I could not have planned for if I tried. If you're watching here on YouTube, you'll get to see the uh, the Eddie Murray print in a second that we'll talk about. But just in general, you're talking about working with with some of these stars and and getting to to work directly with um, your subjects. Who are, are some of the names? You know, Eddie Murray obviously being a, an amazing one here in Baltimore. But just in general, some of the names that stand out to you when you look back to when you started this project. Do, do you ever think like I can't believe I got to collaborate with this person throughout this journey? Absolutely. Like there's still. I'm still 10 years old inside. When I see these guys, you know, I'm looking at them, even though I'm in my forties, they're, they're still 10 year old eyeballs looking at these guys. So to work with, uh, Nolan Ryan and, and, and Randy Johnson, Wade Boggs, Dale Murphy, uh, Brooks Robinson, um, these are, these are like Mount Rushmore people that, that, the kind of caliber players of, of their franchises and to work with them is just, yeah, it's I I I do have to like tamper the little giddy ten year old that's really excited to talk to these people and you know and you know try try to try to meet them eye to eye to eye. But I'm still still always a pinch me moment when I get to speak to these guys. You mentioned the Brooks Robinson piece, which was great. I know there was a a, a Billy Ripken one, kind of based off mm-hmm. the, the famous baseball card. And mm-hmm. when you know you come up with the ideas, how does the process work for you? Does it start with you know, I've got an idea for what a cover would look like. Let me insert the player or does it start with, I think a player would be great here. And let me insert, you know, what this, you know, faux comic book cover would really look like. Most of the time it starts with the, the inspiration of the player or they might have a nice, uh, 
visually descriptive nickname. You know, I'd, I've been wanting to do a Brooks Robinson one forever. The, hu the human vacuum cleaner was made for a comic book. And um, so it just, a lot of research is, is kind of where, where it starts and, and great nicknames certainly help. Um, I don't think I fully answered your question earlier, but about to kind of um, how this came about, but but it really is looking back to my youth and the two things that I loved the most as a kid was baseball and comic books. And so um, not, not, not an intentional, it wasn't an intentional um, combination of these two things, um, at, at least um, knowingly that, that, that this would be such a great vehicle. But as I got into it, you know, I was just adapt, just putting a style on a, on a subject. I love baseball. Um and but when I got into it, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect because the comic book visual language is so suited for this long running soap opera that is professional baseball. You know, you have your heroes, your villains, your your evil empires, your underdogs, your 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 outlandish characters and these unbelievable moments. And so um, and, and the hyperbolic you know, visual language and 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 literal language of of comic books is just made for this kind of storytelling. And so it was just very, it was it was it didn't seem like it would go together. But once I put it together, I'm like, this this feels right. Yeah, for me, one of the reasons I was so excited that we were to connect on this is I'm someone who could be at the ballpark one night to watch the O's, and the very next night I'm in the theater to see the newest Marvel movie mm -hmm. when it's coming out. So I felt like, well, this is a perfect combo right here. But we got to get, of course, to the Steady Eddie art, which is out this mm -hmm. week. And obviously a classic Oriole in the Hall of Fame, in the Orioles Hall of Fame. His 33 is retired mm -hmm. by the O's, one of the greatest players in franchise history and one of the best nicknames in Orioles franchise history as well. And when you look at Eddie, you know, he he was such a, a beloved figure. You know, he had two different stints with you. I mean, they brought him back. He was almost 40 and they brought him back because mm -hmm. Baltimore just loved Eddie so, so much. But, you know, you combine the mustache, which you see on the art, you combine the nickname. Is that kind of all went, went into when you thought, you know what, maybe Eddie Murray is my next subject? Well, for Eddie Murray, see, I, I started this project back in 2020. I say back in as if it was ages ago, way back in 2020 in June. And and by August of that year, two, two, two months later after I started, I had I had done my first like loose sketch of Eddie Murray and been wanting to do Eddie Murray for a long time. And uh, I, I, you know, I'm in L.A. right now. I grew up in L.A. The Los Angeles Dodgers are where I learned about baseball. And and right when I was just in the in pun intended, full full swing of my baseball love as a kid, Eddie Murray is on the Dodgers. And so um, so he's all, he's been on my radar since since the beginning. And he's been a, he's been a character that I've you know, gravitated to obviously from the beginning. And cool thing was um, I got to meet him over the summer, uh, summertime at Cooperstown. Um, got to take the field with him and Cal Ripken Jr. and Jim Tomey and, and uh, Ozzie Smith. And uh, I was very intimidated by Eddie Murray because he, he did not have a great relationship with the press, you know, understandably. Um, you know, he just wanted to show up and play baseball, not, not talk about it. He was very much about the team. Um, but as a kid, you know, I'm, I, the, any nuances of a player, I, I don't know, especially without the internet. I don't know. I, all I knew was Eddie Murray was scary to, to me and he just looked very serious. And so when I got to meet him in Cooperstown, I, I brought my young son with him, my six year old kid. 
And there's Eddie Murray. I'm going to take a picture with him. And the sweetest man on the field, hands down, was absolutely 100% Eddie Murray. Uh, and he 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 guided my little sweet little six year old over. It's like you, you stand next to me and Ozzy helped him down the stairs and posed him. Like just n- couldn't ask for a sweeter gentleman. And uh, I was so um, pleasantly surprised just by his interactions. And then digging into him uh, and 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 researching him for the piece. You ask any play. You ask any any person who played on a team with them. Who's the best teammate you ever had? Their answer is always Eddie Murray. And um, so, so anyway, so so all, all these elements growing up with him and then having such a lovely experience with him, experience with him in 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 uh, in Cooperstown. Just like I, I I couldn't wait to do this piece. Yeah, and 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 for Orioles fans, such a beloved figure, and and to get mm-hmm. him back. You know, the, the special thing for Orioles fans was to get him back for him to hit his 500th home run in an Orioles uniform at Camden Yards. You know, there's an orange seat for a while yeah. in right field in Camden Yards where he hit number 500, and, and that makes him so special. And I'm sure you you got to look into, just like you talked about, that, you know, he meant a lot to the Orioles. And, you know, it's been a little while since the O's have been as good as they were at times when, when Eddie was on the team. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look up in the stadium and you see that 33 every time you walk in there and you can tell he, he had an impact. Absolutely. And and someone made a really great point. Um, and they commented on the piece and and they were relaying a story of their childhood. Um, I can't remember the, the teams or where they were, but but Eddie Murray was on the opposing team of who they were there to see. And they stood up and cla- the audience just cheered for Eddie Murray, even though he was on the opposing team. He was one of those players that there was so much respect for, regardless of what team you were on. You cheer for Eddie Murray. Just because he is, you know, he's 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 on the Mount Rushmore of of you know Oriole, not only Oriole players, but just first baseman ball players in general. He I mean, he was he was only the third player in history to get to 500 home runs and 3,000 hits. You know, and the first two were Hank Aaron and Willie Mays. Like he is, he's he quietly is just one of the greatest ball players there ever was. Yeah, and and you know, not talked about as much as some other guys in the 500 home run club, uh, but just right. an incredible career. And and I love it at the very top of the design, the, the two-sided power, because you got to remember mm-hmm. as well, one of the greatest switch hitters also ever uh, in baseball history. But we're talking about Eddie, and you're going to get to talk to him, I understand, later this week, and I'll let everybody know where they can uh, where they can see that and, and see Eddie kind of talk about this piece that that really, you know, captures him and, and his great career. Yeah, yeah. Um... We're going to talk with Eddie on the Potfly YouTube page uh, this Thursday, um, Thursday evening at 5.30 Pacific. If that, that makes it 8.30 Eastern, I think, if I'm doing my math correctly. Got it. And uh, what's been important to me about these pieces is is um, getting the players involved to to make them happen has been special so that you, when you have a piece on your wall, you know that, that a player was involved in, in it in, in some fashion. And um, and then these interviews that we do with them, we like to do them live to sort of bridge the gap between the player uh, and the fans and, you know, ask some questions live and just kind of take out take out some of those those barriers and at least bring the bring the fans close close to the athlete as we can, be it be it via that chat or, or having their their creative fingerprints on the piece. 
Yeah, and, and and it should be cool to you know see his his thoughts on this as well. But I, I know everybody at this point, as we're chatting, is clamoring to to get their hands on some art here. So just let everybody know, you know, where they can find the piece, where they can find the shop in general, and you know how long they have to go and get themselves one as well. Uh, thanks. This is available, all, like all my pieces, available for one week only. It's uh, it was released last Sunday, and it is retiring next Sunday. I believe it's the, uh, actually I can't, I, I don't know, was it the 4th? December 4th, yeah. That is December 4th. So it retires 3 p.m. Pacific, December 4th. After that is retired for forever. There are three options um, that you can get. You can get a regular one. You can get one signed by Eddie Murray, or you can get one signed with an inscription for the Hall of Fame 2003, the Eddie Murray. All, all three options are available on popflypopshop.com from now until Sunday and when Sunday re- when Sunday comes, this piece retires. Uh, a new piece will be going up. And we're locked on Orioles here. We're gonna have a chance for you to get yourself. You're the listener to get yourself one as well. Make sure you are subscribed to the Locked On Orioles YouTube channel. And in the comments on today's episode on this video, give us your favorite Eddie Murray memory. Whether you watched him play or if you're a little too young and didn't get to watch him play, that's okay. Just your favorite stat, your favorite, you know anything about Eddie Murray and his career with the Orioles. And you will be entered to win one of these amazing prints, the steady Eddie. Um, It's a great look. It'll look great in anyone's home and uh, awesome to uh, just kind of remember the career of Eddie Murray, but Daniel, thank you so, so much. I mean, this is some, some awesome art that Orioles fans I'm sure will want to get their hands on. And uh, obviously Brooks Robinson, a great subject, Billy Ripken, not the player that those two were, but of course, what the piece was based around, obviously, is great for an art piece as well. And then Eddie right up there as well as one of the all-time greats. Yeah, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. Those are some fantastic, fantastic players. But Daniel, thank you. Uh, thank you so much again for joining us here on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. So that was Daniel Horan talking about his piece, his steady Eddie piece. Again, you can go get that at the Pop Fly Pop Shop. But remember, only up there until Sunday, December 4th. That'll do it for today's episode. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.